Hey everyone, this is Jaime and I'm joined by Maddie. The cats are going to be hanging out with us as well. Hopefully they won't be a complete nightmare to deal with. How are you? Good. We're recording on Mother's Day, so <laughs> if you're listening to this next week sometime in the middle of the week, happy belated Mother's Day. We have a planet because of you, full of <laughs> millions upon billions of people who are trying to live their best lives. It wouldn't be possible without you. And of course, my family would not be possible without this beautiful woman in front of me. Thank you. And I guess you want, you want to take it away? Is that too serious? <laughs> or is that, is that too much? No, that was nice. Okay. Uh, we, had a, <clears throat> we had a good weekend. I think it was a great time. We were able to do a lot of projects and we had a just a good old-fashioned chill, right? Chill weekend. Yeah, it was good. Which leads us to talk about what what is this thing that we want to talk about about so, home ownership is yeah. that what you wanted to get into yeah so we um we had a revelation recently that we own our home <laughs> it's like <laughs> and that we can do things to our home and it's okay it's just an interesting conversation with yourself right that you got to have you realize you're not paying a, a your monthly rent and you have so many things that you would ideally want to have. But then it's almost like one day we woke up and we were like, you know what? We can do whatever the hell we want with a house. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Like, I think it's just a mind frame that we haven't been in before. So it's um, it's a new thing. And we've finally started thinking that way and you know talking about paint colors and we put a fire pit in the backyard and it's been cool to to finally like own homeowning you know yeah and i i have been thinking about scarcity mindset for a long time and i i feel that this could be an extension of that where we went without for so long i grew up Without very little, you know, we were lower class, middle class, whatever you want to call it. Never really feeling like I'd be able to own a home up until very, very recently. And I think that even when we moved into this home, it felt like somebody else's home. It felt like I couldn't really do something or some nefarious rental property manager figure is was going to be very upset with me. I know. Oscar's just hanging out. Oscar came to talk. He wanted to borrow the microphone. But yeah, it, it just got really strange. I just realized that I wasn't sure if we were recording or not. <laughs> so I was like, I, well, I better make sure. Oscar put his little paws up on that chair and I was, I was imagining him just like pressing buttons. As he tends to do. Yeah. Like Phoebe does as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been an interesting month. I would say in the last month, we've kind of started looking at our own home and examining what can we do to make it our own? What can we do to stamp our signature, imprint the things that we like about where we want to live or what's going to make us feel more comfortable even? And that's been fairly exciting. I mean, I've never been somebody to to be like a craftsperson or to rebuild or, or watch Property Brothers or any of that stuff. But I look at my own home and I, I realize this is a... Um, an opportunity, obviously a, a thing of privilege right now in 
this very difficult time that we're all going through, but it's almost like we just kind of want to dive into this little bit of comfort that we get to have in our lives and, and start making it truly what we want it to be. And it started with a fire pit. It started with wanting to have something for us to enjoy our evenings and make sure that our son could have s'mores, mm-hmm. which is a great priority in this home. And so one day we just looked at a couple of videos. We had a hole in the <laughs> back from the previous tenant. She had uh, Great Danes or she had really big dogs. They dug out a tree from back there, like a, a young a uh, sapling. A sapling, if you will. And so it was half started. So one day it was a really shitty day. Remember, it was like raining. Yeah. And and it was just kind of murky. It's probably the worst day to do this. But uh, my, my son and I went out there. We dug around a little 32-inch hole. And then we started making plans for that. And that finished yesterday. Yeah, we went and it to took, Home Depot, got some bricks. and took a few hours. Yeah. And we looked at what we wanted to do. And bam, there it is. Yep. Now we're just waiting for the uh, the weather to clear up again. Yeah, so we can actually. Well, and then we'll get to it. Yeah, we were gonna do it today, but all of a sudden, like in the evening, it just got like really cold. Yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah. And I also think that in this last year, because of COVID, we've all had our reservations about doing anything. It's sort of put a stamp of of pause, or like everything's got to be on standby right now, and. In this last month, it, it's almost felt, and I'm speaking from Wyoming, so this is a place that has been fairly lenient. We're a very low population state. We have not been impacted in the way that major metropolitan areas have, so our experience has been completely different. But now in this last month, it's felt like we can get back to living our lives. And that has been such a relief, but it's also helped us just get out there yeah. and and really start living our lives and that's what it feels like it's that whole like at the starting line to live again um sort of thing and so it's kind of like okay now we can do our projects now we can do all these things that we wanted to do like how many things that did we do this weekend i mean mm-hmm. we're just like hungry to just start living outside again yeah and doing all kinds of things yeah i think that's been the impetus for us to to do new things to, I don't know, do things we've been talking about doing finally. Yeah. So it, and it, I feel kind of bad about it because we've talked about these things for so long. Like we, you told me, I was so proud that I put up the, the bike rack on the back of my car so that all of us could go and ride our bikes at the park. It's been sitting there for two years. And yeah. I was like, you're full of shit. I have, that's not been sitting there. And it's that's one of the worst ones where we just kind of got into our cycle and we didn't really get in. I don't know. Yeah. But it was really good. It was such a great feeling because when we got out there, we could ride our bikes. We played soccer. We watched these people fly a rocket. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. Like a little rocket, not like a... Yeah, like a little Not like a bad rocket. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just... It's been a good um, realization that you know this home is our own we can do with it what we want yeah you know within reason and no one's gonna tell us not to paint our wall green you know like no one's gonna tell us not to do that so um it's a nice feeling 
so right here in this room that we're podcasting from right now, it's going to be our book nook, essentially, yeah. and chill spot. So we are going to paint the walls a, a more subdued color, maybe a little bit more relaxing. There's a desk in here. I plan to record a little bit here. We're doing our kids asleep here. Super comfy. And we also upgraded our recording booth. Yeah. Under oh, the yeah. stairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you wanna if you wanna talk about that. Yeah, we um so I mentioned in the last episode that uh, I booked another book. So I wanted to upgrade the space we're using to record, which is a little like nook under the stairs <laughs> in the basement. So I bought some kind of cheap sound sound foam on Amazon mm-hmm. and um we well you and our son put it up today so we had moving blankets from home depot and then this sound foam from amazon and um you put up all the sound foam today and it actually sounds even better than i expected it to and it's only half covered yeah i so right now we got to like the top part where a majority of the dialogue is going to be bouncing on and off of. Mm-hmm. And when we get some more this next week, we're going to be able to do the the lower part of mm-hmm. the, of the room. So it'll all be covered. Yeah. And then I'll and, buy like a small rug to yeah. put on the, on the floor. I might even get one of those um, pads you stand on, you know, like, yeah. like a padded thing so that my feet don't hurt. That's a um, great idea. If I don't want to sit, I guess like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm still deciding if I like to sit or stand. I can't. I think you can just breathe a little bit more freely when you're standing. Yeah. So you need that kind of. You're not like crunched up. Exactly. You need mm-hmm. that vocal strength to really project and and get things out there. Yeah. But it's an exciting thing for us because it's almost like we're doubling down on our efforts. And it wasn't to... that expensive, really. I mean, it's yeah. it's an investment without going too crazy like financially yeah but we want to do good quality content and even this i mean we we've tried our best to do something that is of the highest quality but now with uh your audio narration in particular my podcast the creative drive podcast i want to make sure that we are doing the best we can with what we have and i think we're going to start seeing more of that so it's it's pretty exciting and it it feels like we're entering the next phase of it yeah. After a long time of, of prepping and, you know, looking forward to something. And it does tie in with the, the pandemic. Like, it just felt like we were at a standstill. Yeah. And we just had to say, you know, this is enough. We need to live our lives. Right. It's time to just keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we got to be careful, you know, because COVID. But personally, it's just time to. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. you and I are fully vaccinated. And so that feels good. My family is on the way to being fully vaccinated, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe this summer or in the fall. There, I know that um, I think it's Pfizer is getting ready to approve a vaccine for kids twelve to fifteen. Is that is, is that really happening? Yeah. I thought they were just no. Requesting. They're really they're really talking about it. Oh, it could happen really soon. Let's take a look. Um, we don't have Jamie. Uh, like Joe Rogan does, you know, to oh, do yeah. the searches. We don't have so it's, Jamie. It's, it's going to be uh, Jaime doing searches about Pfizer. Um, yeah, I heard it on the radio last week um, that they were very nearly there for um, like young pre-adolescent and adolescent. Yeah, so right now we're looking. Uh, 
but that's for 12 to 15. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, our the kid's a little bit younger than that. Our son's a little younger than that. So it could be a little bit longer until but you he know, could get vaccinated. But when most of the people around you are vaccinated, that does make you safer. So. Right. Um, so we're hoping that people can get back on track. Any of you folks out there listening, if uh, you're almost there, just hang tight. Good things are happening. And uh, I wanted to take this opportunity to, to thank our awesome friends, Sam and Leo and Ashley and Chris, for hanging out with us when we drove by Cheyenne. It was one of the best times that I've had in recent memory. Yeah. So I'm just very, very glad that uh, that we got to see them. So it was really fun. Thank you guys so much. If you're listening, you're wonderful, and we hope to see you again. And uh, tell Leo, I love the beer. <laughs> yeah, I texted Sam the other day that we had Leo's go the fuck to sleep beer, and it was delicious. <laughs> it was marvelous. Yeah. And thank you for the swag. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. We wanted to, I guess, tink to change, tink to enjoying your home, mm -hmm. making some progress along the way. Mm -hmm. But we also wanted to pivot to a movie that is so good, but the subject matter is so horrific. Yeah. We looked back and we wanted to check if we had talked about this movie before, but we hadn't gotten to it. And I'm shocked. Yeah, I really thought we had too. And I looked and I don't think we have. And um, we talk about it so often too. I know. This is the well, crazy thing. Personally, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, so the movie we watched, uh, I've watched it several times, which is surprising. But it's it's called Spotlight. And it's about um, the Spotlight investigative journalists at the Boston Globe. And um, how they uncovered um a huge child sex abuse scandal in the archdiocese of boston and um what's your take if i may yeah why do you keep coming back to that movie i just gut reaction because i i love okay. yeah so i've watched this movie at least five times i think <laughs> in the last 10 years or however long it's been out um and can you hear Phoebe's? <laughs> Phoebe. She's very happy. She's purring right next to the microphone. Lay down. Okay. Phoebe, we're trying to get to the meat of things. <laughs> you gotta shut the fuck up. Um sorry. Okay, so I think I keep coming back to this movie because I think because <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> she's she's hitting the microphone with her tail. She's purring. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Do you want me to pause it to get her out of here? No, I think it's okay. Okay. Um, okay. So I think I keep coming back to this movie and rewatching this movie because I have a it it instills in me this sense of justice that is so satisfying to me, and I just I don't know. Like I, it's sort of like this. It's like journalism in its purest form. There you go. Got her out. Sorry, Phoebes. And I don't know. Like the performances are just like so spot on. So it's like Rachel McAdams, um, Mark, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, 
that guy's name I can never remember. Brian Darcy. Brian Darcy. Um, S- stage actor, I believe. John yeah. Slattery's in it too. He's uh the guy who uh um who plays uh Veep's uh, lover. Oh yeah, remember? Yeah, and yeah, I think that's um, his name. Billy Crudup's. It's a he's a huge stacked cast. Stanley Tucci. Um, and it's just the subject matter is horrific. I'll agree with you there. Uh, I mean, it's about child sex abuse and. You're fine. You're fine. It's just a truck. Yeah, it's a truck. We live in Wyoming. It is what it is. The window's (laughs) open. Sorry, guys. Um, It's part of the ambiance. So I think what I like about the movie is Boston's an interesting city and I've never I've never been there. But this movie sort of like distills it down to it's it's a it's a big city, but it's not a big city. You know, it's a very small community. In the, in the sense that the church has that kind of reach and they create a very insular sort of environment, right? Yeah, well, and not just the church, but like, it's, a lot of people don't leave. It's a very like, hometown hero kind of place. You know, chances are if you were born there, you grew up there, you stayed there. Um. And yeah. so it has sort of this smaller town feel, even though it's a big city. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. If you're from a neighborhood, even if you don't know that person, there's a connection. Yeah. Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, that neighborhood shit. Or, oh, yeah, those, yeah. those guys are and my that, people. That happens several times in the movie where they ask, you know, like the people they're interviewing will ask them like, oh, or, you know, do you know that neighborhood? Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll be like, yeah, I drove a cab there. Or, yeah, I grew up there or whatever. Right. So it's very like insular and you know tribal i would say and so it does a good job of like painting boston in that way that makes it easier to understand what's happening Mm. and the the scale of the movie is fairly small at first but as the investigation grows and you realize what's really going on. It just, the scope gets so big and you realize like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't small potatoes. One, one parish, one, a few bad apples, you know, Mm -hmm. this is like a global institutional issue. And I don't know. I just think it's, it feels good that they did something because it's such a huge problem and it's the church is such a huge entity that it never feels like anything anybody does makes any difference. Oh, yeah. But the, in this movie, you actually feel like they made a difference. And to touch back on what you're saying specifically about justice. When you see something like journalism doing what it's supposed to do, and you watch it build from, here's a couple of seeds or a couple of clues for what the story could be into what it eventually becomes, it forms this kind of just constant build until you get to that point of discovery. And it is like chiseling in the dark, right? And then eventually you find what you're looking for in the middle of a dark cave. And that's the reveal. That is 
getting to the truth of it. And they did a really good job of leading you into that kind of search, but keeping you intrigued in such a way that, you know, the default movie for me that we go to is like all the president's men where it's like that, a movie of such ferocity where you feel like journalism can be the salvation if given the right freedom. And in particular in, in Boston, it, with the Boston Globe, Spotlight wasn't just the traditional uh, newspaper. Yeah, it was um, its own department. It was a, its own department. It had to do special, more, I guess, more long-term projects, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it was. <clears throat> Spotlight is their investigative journalism department. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times there was only like, well, in the movie, there's four of them. And um, they sort of have their own, they're they're separate from the newspaper, not separate, but like they're a different yeah. department from like the main Metro newspaper. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, um, Liev Schreiber plays the new editor. He's, yeah. he's, un- he's just been hired on as the new editor. And he's actually the one that, um requests that spotlight looks into um a specific case um of a father being accused of you know a catholic priest being accused of um abusing children um serially or or repeatedly and just being moved around and um that's how they get on this story is because of him yeah and um that's another theme in the movie is outsiders um, and the, that the outsiders are the catalyst for change because Liev Schreiber's character is an outsider. He's Jewish. He's not Catholic. He's um, not from Boston. And I did want to comment here just to interject for a sec. I'm looking at uh, Marty Baron, the mm-hmm. person's Wikipedia they say he achieved heightened per- prominence in 2015 and 2016 from his portrayal in the film Spotlight and his involvement in the release of Jason Rezaian, the Tehran bureau chief for the Washington Post, who was released in January 2016 after being imprisoned in Iran for 18 months. Now, the the cool thing, too, about, well, Liev Shriver, of course, playing like a phenomenal role, very subdued, and and the scenes where you could see this man pitted against Catholicism. And in particular, early on, when he's first introduced to Boston, the uh, Cardinal invites him, and it's a very tense exchange. It's just so beautifully put together that it gives you enough to go, I guess, forward thinking, holy shit, he's got a rough job ahead of him. Yeah. That was very good. That character is kind of a badass. Like, he's very... He's very... um, subtle is very low key but in that conversation with the cardinal the cardinal says something to the effect of um you know i think we can work you know with the with um the church and the globe i think we can work together to be on the same page and he's you know leah schreiber's character says well i appreciate the the i appreciate the gesture Mm. but i think a newspaper does its job better when we stand alone. Right. And there's like this really tense moment where you can tell like the Cardinal doesn't like what he's saying, but he, yeah. um, 
he stands up for for the independence of his newspaper. Right. <coughs> so I thought that was, you know, it's a really good moment. But the other outsider character is, and you could argue that the whole spotlight department is our outsiders yeah. um, from the rest of the newspaper, but Stanley Tucci's character plays um, a lawyer named, I can't remember his first name. His Garabidian. Last, Garabidian. Garabidian. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, and he plays a lawyer that represents um, victims of the church. And, you know, he's also not Catholic. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of a theme, like, that um, non-Catholic characters are the ones that are really um, pushing this. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the movie just really hits a chord in a lot of ways. And it's difficult to watch sometimes, but um, it's it tells this just really important story in two in two really distinct things. I think just in terms of like the scale of the church's wrongdoing and the incredible importance of independent journalism like both mm. of those things are such huge cornerstones of why the movie is so important i think it's a very timely but i i guess from a personal level i watch that movie and it's very interesting to see how religion is was that is that a dog it kind of sounded like a dog. Weird. Could have been Phoebe. It could have been Phoebe. <laughs> Getting comfortable. Um, but sorry. So looking at the way Catholicism impacted Boston, I and I look at the similarities of how religion impacted a place like Mexico where I grew up. You look at the similarities. You look at how those bonds have, are created, how... Um, and obviously I'm an agnostic now, so I, I, this may be like a tainted conversation, but you see the influence on, on government, you see the influence all over the place and you get the sense that there is no partial perspective anymore or impartial perspective anymore in those communities, big or small. If, if there is religious entity in there, it tends to be you know, under whatever the the church deems correct, and, and that might cause some friction. And I watch it with great curiosity now because I just can't help but see the places where I grew up and my own faith completely reflected right back at me. And it's inexcusable, the kind of behavior that has gone on it's just left unchecked. And to this day, that's a rampant problem. But it's great because these guys, they did win the Pulitzer Prize in 2003 for this, for their research, for their diligence, for putting themselves out there. Because at certain points, I can't imagine them feeling safe during this investigation mm -hmm. and, and feeling like they were never going to be able to work again if, if this didn't work out. So it's very commendable, and looking at the fiction of it, 
as in the fictionalized retelling, they they showed us the stakes. They showed us really what was on the line. And I love that. I absolutely loved how tense everything was because they were pursuing something that could really unfold the newspaper itself. Mm-hmm. It got to the point where, well, this, they they called him the, the guy's Jewish. He's from Miami or wherever. He's not looking out for you. He's not looking out for the local people and he's going to bring this newspaper down. And that was like just such, you could tell it's like, that's what people do when they're p- pointing the finger at the other. It's like, they're going to bring the institution down. And when he's gone, what are you going to do? They tell Michael, Michael Keaton's character, who was fucking great. I love Michael Keaton so much. He's the best. I don't know where I was going with this. I just wanted to say that he, you get a sense of, of how just religion permeates through well, these, yeah, you know, and these it's, institutions. It's that they, and they're so good at the us versus them. Yeah. You know, like there you you're go. one of us. Yeah. How could you turn on us like Thank this? Thank you for articulating that. That's exactly what yeah. I what I wanted you know, to know. And 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 Liev Schreiber, you know, his character was like the perfect them. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and and I it's so um I don't know, it's so you could see the fear in everyone's eyes when they were like, You wanna do what? Yeah. You want to, yeah. It sounds like you want to sue the church for, you know, rights yeah. to these documents. Everyone and, was terrified. Yeah. And it just like how that would go over with the community, you know, like no one's going to read our paper anymore if we do this, you know, like right. it's going to ruin our reputation, you know, whatever huge percentage of our readership are members of the church. I mean, yeah, they, they it's said huge. something like, like 60%, yeah, 70% it's, it's was most of their readership, yeah. you know, um, one of the most, it's kind of devastating, but also like powerful at the same time is the scene where Rachel McAdams character, Sasha, she has given the copy of the newspaper to her grandmother mm-hmm. and her grandmother is reading the article. Mm-hmm. And they're just sitting there at the at the kitchen table, and her grandmother's just like, you could see on her face, she's yeah. disgusted, she's horrified. Yeah, and she just kind of looks at her granddaughter, and she goes, "Sasha, can you get me a drink of water?" <laughs> <laughs> it's like the oh, saddest, yeah. most like yeah, she's just well, like can't believe what she's reading, and it's just like it's so sad to see like, especially like with older people. They well, don't they don't know what to do with that information. You yeah. know, it's like what do I what do you yeah. mean the people that well, I've trusted my entire life? Why do you to? think why do you think no thing changes? It's right. because it's easier for somebody to sweep something under the rug than to challenge their own beliefs. Yeah. And that's not something that it it's just, you know, in terms of Catholicism, it's human nature to withhold from ourselves the things that hurt, the things that really confront who we are. And one of the um, the victims said it best, the guy who brought in the box to the, the whole spotlight staff, and mm. he was saying, these people do the worst thing to you. They steal your faith from you. How can somebody who has been abused believe in that? What, what do you have to, to fall back on yeah. when somebody who is supposed to be good to you, like a priest or a person of faith, a man of God, whatever you want to call them comes into your home, 
is is supposed to be the representation of God, and they do that to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a complete obliteration of what God and faith are, and to watch them unpack that was very devastating, very honest, but so important. That's why this is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. Because even if, I mean, yes, child abuse is happening, it's rampant, but there's also that other component of you're destroying people's faith. And for what it's worth, I mean, I I think there are some folk who, folk who are made better by their faith. You know, I would say there's a lot of people out there who use their faith for good. But uh, in this case, yeah, those those folks are the priests and those people who are abusing their power to destroy other people. It's just it it has to stop. Yeah, and and also just the the complacency, the complicit nature of the church itself. Yeah, and pure you know, corruption. And then there's like the idea that like it's not just this this phenomena that that is happening in a vacuum like mm-hmm. it's not just an accident yeah. it's there's these these ideas that it's like part of it you know and and they bring this up they touch on it like a little bit cuz it's i think to some degree it's a little bit conspiratorial mm-hmm. the idea that like the the guy the the psychologist they talked to, Richard Seip. The guy on the phone yeah, that the guy on Mark the Ruffalo phone. was talking to? Yeah. yeah. He kind of hints at the fact that it's like a larger psychological phenomenon. Like, it doesn't make sense. The, mm. num- the numbers don't make sense. Mm. Like, that it's so many of them. So many priests, specifically, yeah. who have that tendency. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's and they're just being protected. You know, and it's like I don't know. The idea that it's, you know, the church is like this big it sounds a little QAnon-y now that I'm saying it out loud, mm-hmm. but you know that it's it's specifically created to protect these people, you know, who are doing this. And it's like hard to it's like is it the chicken that came first or the egg? You know, are yeah. they abusing people because of the rules that are set in place for them? You know, celibacy or are the and all rules of that set for the to abuse. create that. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but anyway, the point is that I keep coming back to this movie because these journalists made a difference, mm. and in a, in this type of um situation, that's not common. You know, and not that it it fixed it, it didn't fix it, it didn't, but in the end, it brought a lot of, um, it brought a lot of this stuff into the light that wouldn't have yeah. been otherwise. There was awareness and they did improve their, their community. I mean, the uh, cardinal was removed. He had to resign or he had to be relocated. He went to the Vatican, fucking great. He got a promotion, but at the same time, the community had that awareness of what was going on, which it's up to them to d- decide now. And now they have to make that strong choice. Am I with the church 
or am I going to ask for changes? Mm -hmm. As a Catholic, I mean, they gotta they gotta do that. Mm -hmm. But it's an excellent movie, amazing performances. It was the best picture winner of 2015 in the Academy Awards. So take that for what it's worth. Enjoy the film. And uh, I think we should tink to that one. Yeah. There you go. I'm glad we got these mason jars. They're very hearty. They tink very well. <laughs> so I think that we got to get those shirts going. The tinking shirts. Yeah. All tinks considered yeah. coming up. <laughs> all right. Do you need a break? You got you to gotta go? My leg is just... You're ruining my microphone <laughs> setup. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. There's like a full effort here and and now you're just like sitting on it. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. You want to wrap it up? We can talk about one more thing that we can tink to yeah. and then we can wrap it up. Yeah. Um. A couple of weeks ago, we went to Denver and we saw Taylor Tomlinson at the Comedy Works South Club. Great experience. Amazing comedian. Let's unpack this real quick. What was it like? leaving casper for a little bit <laughs> it was really nice <laughs> hadn't done was, that in a while it was nice to feel like we got to do something normal this was our yeah. first um post-vaccine outing and uh yeah it felt really good i mean it's you know it was actually a better experience <laughs> i think in the club because <laughs> we were all spaced six feet up you know six-ish feet apart and uh so it's a lot, there was lots of elbow room. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been in a comedy club, it's like always ass to elbows. So yeah. it was nice to kind of have some space. Um, I love how it's set up too. Comedy Works South is just I I just like the the staggered setup that they have. You know, in the bottom and then the second. Yeah, we were um, up in the mezzanine. The mezzanine mm -hmm. area, and there wasn't anyone next to us. It was fucking amazing. Good drinks. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. We didn't try the food, but we, we went and had dinner Soon after. Yeah. We were at like, it was kind of an early show, like that both comedians were joking that it was like still daylight outside <laughs> <laughs> when we were kind it's of like, the what show. are you freaks doing here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really fun. Um, Taylor Tomlinson's opener was this guy named Dustin Nickerson. Uh, shout out. He was so funny. Very. Uh, and uh just like really fun and uh he had he had that great <clears throat> dad vibe and he had a lot of family comedy which is yeah. really good you know obviously for everyone but it it struck me so hard just because you know you get that you're you, we're parents now we get those moments of of hilarious insanity and dealing with another person yeah that is exactly like you, but not like you all at once. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's a lot of humility and hilarity in that. But he captured that really well. And he does have a podcast. What's a podcast called that he, uh, he does? Don't Make Me Come Back There. Yeah. I think is what it's called. <laughs> there you um, go. Yeah. And I, I actually gave his, he was giving out like cards. Oh, yeah. We got to talk to him end, for a little bit. At the end of the show. And yeah. <clears throat> I, yeah, he took one of his cards. He has a he has a uh, a comedy special on Amazon Prime right now, and I gave the card to my mom, 
<laughs> and I was like, you should watch this guy. And she did, and she loved him. So oh, good. I got him good. some money to help support his kids. <laughs> <laughs> My mom bought his pot, bought his uh, rented or whatever, his special. Right. Um, And then, so he probably did, what, half an hour? I think he did 30, yeah. And, 30 um, and then Taylor came out and did probably a good hour. I, um, I'd say so. We were there for about an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she was great. Um, it was all new stuff. It was none of the stuff from her old special, which is really fun. Um, I love the family stuff. She got, well, yeah, her, her growing up experience and her mom stuff. If you want to talk, like, yeah. go into that. So she, her mom passed away when she was like eight. And I remember her saying that she had some like dead mom stuff in her first special, mm -hmm. but it was, she cut it out because mm -hmm. she felt like it didn't, I don't she either didn't feel ready to like broadcast that on Netflix or she just like didn't think it fit with the rest of the material. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, you know, she's working on new stuff and um, part of that is like, you know, the fact that her mom died and, um, you know, growing up with a sort of a single dad and then, you know, having a stepmom eventually. <laughs> and um, she talks a lot about like mental health and she's very self-deprecating, but in, in a good way, like really. Yeah, like very about open about her struggles with mental health and how, you know, what medication and psych, you know, treatment and therapy and that kind of thing. And um, how that's really like helped her. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it, her comedy is really refreshing and mm -hmm. vulnerable, but, um, like you said, self-deprecating at the same time. Like, it doesn't, she talks about really serious topics. And I think that's like, that's like the mark it. of a good comedian is like, you can talk about, because a lot of comedians will say, I really want to talk about insert difficult thing here, but I'm still too close to it. And it's not funny. Yeah. It's like as soon as as soon as a comedian is able to make it funny. Yeah, or, or put some distance between it or work through it in whatever way they need to, then, then it, becomes it becomes funny. It be, yeah. they they are able to make it funny. Right. Um and so I guess obviously she's been working a lot to get there with a lot of her material. And yeah, it, it and really feels like she's She's, I mean, it's crazy to say she's hitting her stride because she had a Netflix special at 26 or something. And so, which, which was wonderful to you know, begin she's with. She's like a prodigy, sort of. Yeah. And I, di I did want to mention she did talk about dating a bit, you mm -hmm. know, and it that's very illuminating as well, just because, you know, <laughs> that's, that's such a foreign thing to me. But yeah. um, I was really bummed out that her and Sam Morel broke up because they made a, pretty good couple but that ten that became something that she used as well yeah. in the work so uh it was yeah it's kind of nice to see like like her working through that too yeah i mean it, it's just such a beautiful form of expression and you and i had this conversation when we were at that irish themed restaurant where yeah. whatever the hell it was just across from comedy work south and i mentioned how Stand-up comedy is one of the finer art forms. In, in the performing arts, we're talking, uh, 
I mean, that, that's gotta be up there just because of the, the balls that you need to do it. Yeah. Like one, you have to be a writer, you have to be a performer and you're, you're writing haikus that are hilarious. I mean, that's insanity, pure insanity, but you have to have the nerve to suffer so much for just one of those. Yeah. To have an hour of those, to to put together a show that uh, that speaks to the human condition in the way that comedians do, and the way that she did on that day. Mm-hmm. I mean, when that special comes out, it's going to be great. It's going to be so It's going to be so well received because yeah. she is talking about those things that are so painful. I mean, losing your mom when you're... She was seven, eight. Yeah, she was seven or eight years eight. old. I mean, that's heavy shit. That's tough stuff. But they find a way to really bring it to you in a way that you can actually manage it. Yeah, that won't drive you crazy when you stare at it dead on. Yeah, and I just think it's so commendable. So I, I love stand up comedy. I, I love the craft behind it. Yeah, and uh, and it's kind of sad that it doesn't get it's due because what they are trying to do is is advance the form and connect with people on such a primal way primal level that like the only two i guess i should say like there's probably three things that work on the same level stand-up comedy dance and music Mm. those three things they they just completely penetrate to like the the bottom of your brainstem and they they reach at your humanity mm-hmm. like right there on a really like immediate way and i'm just talking like does that make sense or am i am i just like aggrandizing it to some degree cuz i i feel like sometimes i tend to do that too uh no i think it makes sense i mean i think i think it's it feels different because it's somebody talking right at you mm-hmm. and not pretending you're not there. You know, like right. it's theater. Not, it's not theater. Yeah. I mean, you know, gen- generally speaking, theater, there's a fourth wall. You're not there. Mm-hmm. You know, music, there is an acknowledgement that you're there, yeah. but it's very insular what they're doing. It's Well, know. it's it's the imitation of an action. <clears throat> I mean, you look at the basis of theater and it is the idea that you're building these these lies, these collective lies, right? You're creating the world, you're creating this character. It's not real and it's imitating life in such a way that you will feel a real thing mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. A stand-up comedian is just themselves. Yeah. It's a person with a perspective. It's coming right at you without a filter mm-hmm. or or the artifice of of the presentation mm-hmm. and I, that's just such a powerful thing mm-hmm. i mean that's why we we like there there's almost an overlap between like pol- politicians and stand-up comedians because they're they're really just trying to get to the core of you yeah without yeah, and yeah. comedians are so attuned to the room yeah and it's actually a disrespect i didn't mean com- uh, politicians because that well i mean just <laughs> i think i think it's funny to watch comedians because especially when they're like really working new stuff mm-hmm. like you could tell like her more refined stuff maybe was at like the beginning uh-huh. and then as the show went closer to the end it was like there was more like looking at her notes and she was really assessing 
the <laughs> where, reactions where the of laughs the crowd. landed yeah. and, and what didn't and yeah. it's so funny like what they because you know sometimes comedians will be like oh like that wasn't you know <laughs> like oh you guys didn't like that did you or yeah you know they sort of acknowledge when something falls a little flat or you know when they don't get the reaction that they are expecting and then and it i i just think i would love to see a comedian's routine and i know this this is pretty much what people do when they go to comedy clubs regularly is they can see the evolution of a bit or mm-hmm. or a story or whatever something a comedian is working on yeah i think it was joe rogan who was talking maybe it was i can't remember maybe it was joe rogan he was talking about uh you know a, a guy who came up to him and was like kind of geeking out a little bit about this specific story he was like yeah you know like man you're really like it's really good now he's like i was coming to this to the show when you were just starting to tell that story uh-huh. and it has evolved yeah. so like e- expertly it's just like yeah very to, granular to changes is, yeah to what it is now and it's so much better now and so funny yeah. You know, and so like I would love to be able to see like the development of a comedian's routine. Right. You know. We just gotta go to Denver. If we <laughs> yeah. move to Denver, yeah, we'll be there every night. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> um it's but four I just hours. I find that so interesting. And uh yeah, it's such a strange profession. And yeah. uh, you know, they acknowledge it frequently that what they do is batshit crazy. <laughs> but um it's so much it's such an enjoyable thing to watch live. And oh, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. I can't get enough of it. And it made me miss performance overall, though. Oh, I yeah. mean, going It's just back, so good to be in a room with other people. Holy shit. That's laughing a, at a common thing, you know. What a great feeling that was. Yeah. Just being in a darkened room, watching a show. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. So let's highly tink to Taylor Tomlinson, mm-hmm. her opener, too. Yeah. Oh, and here's something that's a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> we had never used a rideshare app before. Yeah. Yes, that's so, right. It is year 2021. They, we sound like such hillbillies when you say that. <laughs> like bumpkins just we, getting out for once. It is 2021, once. and the first time I ever used Lyft Christ. was this trip. And it was amazing. It was pretty amazing. It was so amazing. Yeah, you feel like, who needs a fucking car? We got like, like, this is it? This is all you have to do? And a fucking car just comes (laughs) and takes you, whisks you away? You don't even see the money leaving your account. It's just like magically paid for. There's no exchanging of money. Nothing. Oh, great. I can go live my life now. Just whisked our drunk asses back to the hotel. That was really cool. It was great. Yeah, I love that so much. So highly I'm recommend. Sorry, it. gig workers, but that's just pretty awesome. <laughs> I know you have no rights and you make no money, but it's pretty cool. Well, he seemed to be like pretty happy with it. <laughs> he was playing some really good music. You didn't like the music. You walked out of that car and you were like, "That music choice was uh, questionable." It was like world music. How but dare you? I, I did like that guy because he didn't talk to us. The other guy <laughs> was super weird and, and he was cagey. tired though. He was tired and he has hasn't he, seen his wife in a long time. He told us way too much in the five minute ride from the that area to the hotel. I knew that guy so well by the time we left. I wanted to know more. It was too much. I wanted to have a part two. I want zero conversation. What what were we talking about? 
We got to get better at just existing around other people and being okay with it because we're just so happy being at home. We're so happy just chilling and not interacting. But (laughs) sometimes when you're a parent, you got to go live your best life with your kids so that they know how to be social. Because if not, they're going to end up like, I don't know. Like us as adults. Like us as adults. (laughs) We don't want that. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. But that dude talked a lot. He, He told us anything and everything. I was like, wow, dude. I, I wish didn't need well. to know that your wife is stuck in the Philippines. And that kind of told me He's all just I doing his to best. know there. He's but... just doing his best, babe. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, well there's, there you go. Final tink. Final tink. tink, tink tinking to ride sharing. There you go. That was like 20 tinks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The tank heavy episode. Yeah, it's it's all good though. That's what we live for. All right, guys. Uh subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Um I don't know. Have you ever checked the email? I haven't checked it. Yeah, I check it. It's, <laughs> okay. it's on my phone. We never get anything. Oh, okay, guys, good. just write us just, just shoot us an email. What's say hi. what's all the silence about? Just fucking I mean, I get texts and stuff, so I know people are listening, but hey, go to our kids asleep at gmail.com and tell us what to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Come on the show. It's free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, I will be expecting those uh Yeah. Those podcast topics. That's right. And uh we want to get a uh, Ashley and Chris back on here so we can talk about uh, Nick Cage and maybe oh, some yeah. other fun stuff. The history of, the swearing. History of swearing. We could yeah. talk about National Treasure, talk about Face Off, talk about the new one <laughs> just that just came torture out. torture Ashley for that's, an hour and a half. That's my goal. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I hope they're not listening on this but one. She's definitely listening. Because I'm going to use the sound pad that we got on this mixer. And I'm going to put in like Nicolas Cage quotes <laughs> on the episode. Like when she comes on, I'm just going to. Like fill it with Nick Cage stuff. She's gonna hate you. It's gonna be so good. Anyway, thank you, folks, for listening. We love you so much. To all you mothers out there, have a great Mother's Day. Why were you looking at me like I was gonna say something inappropriate? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you looking at me like that? No, I was making sure we said okay. Oh, I have a um, I had a suggestion. Okay. Could we promote other people's podcasts? Of course. Podcast. Of course. You know. I was listening to another podcast of friends of ours and they had, um, they promoted Trevor's podcast. I was like, oh, we should do that. Yes. That's cool. It's a cool idea. Yeah, I, never, I never well, thought of that. Trevor asked us if we could promote our podcast on his, but like we, we hadn't recorded in like a month. Oh. And so I was like, we can't promote a show that like we don't regularly That's cool, podcast. Though. I never, it's pretty awesome. I never thought about cross promotion. We should. Stupid. Let's reach out to all of our friends who are doing podcasts and see if we can make that happen. Let's do a blurb. (laughs) Good night, guys. We love you. Have a great night. Talk soon. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day.